Hey church family, I hope you are doing really well. This is certainly obviously a most bizarre week, a most bizarre set of circumstances that we find ourselves in as a community and as a state and even beyond as a as a country and, and as a sort of a common humanity here on planet Earth. And so uh, just in order to honor the systems in place, local uh, authorities, the Boston public school system and everything, we've decided as a church not to meet uh, together for everyone's health and safety and for the safety of the school and just the overall uh, safety of our culture at this moment. And we are instead sort of having church by video. We talked about doing this by Facebook Live, but just felt like in the end, uh, having it on YouTube so you could watch at your convenience would be the best way. And so if we've never met, uh, my name's JD Mangrum. This will be kind of a public domain video. Uh, I'm the pastor of Christ Church Charlestown. And, and for Christ Church Charlestown, I'm thankful that you're going to take the time to watch this over the next few moments. When I was a teenager, an early teenager, there was a song by a contemporary Christian music singer. Her name was Twyla Paris. And uh, she sang a song called God is in Control. And in the song, she said, this is no time for fear. This is a time for faith and determination. Don't lose the vision here, carried away by the moment. Uh, let's hang on, she said, to the things that we know to be true. And then she ended up saying, God is in control. We believe it is people will not be forsaken. Uh, he's in control. He, he'll remember us. We won't be shaken. He knows what he's doing. Uh, and in moments like this, as a culture, it is easy to forget. Uh, we see the people around us literally uh, just panicking and things kind of falling apart uh, as basketball tournaments are changed and celebrities uh, announce that they're sick and everything's going on. And even beyond this sort of moment in our lives, we see moments like this where it seems like things are uh, unraveling and out of control. And, and so we find ourselves this week in the middle of our series, The Gospel According to Coach Wooden, talking about the building block of intentness. And uh, it's ironic because it's uh, incredibly appropriate for where we are as a church and where we are in this cultural moment. And, and I love how Paul, the Apostle Paul, one of the early sort of founders and leaders in, in the first church, uh, saw this and his people as well, even along a sports metaphor. In writing to the church at Corinth, uh, in the, in sort of, uh, in ancient Greece, he was writing to a people very familiar with collective games. There were the Isthmian games. Those are the second most popular athletic games, uh, right behind the Athenian Olympic games. And in the Isthmian games, uh, there were six sports and the people competing were competing not for an olive wreath or an olive crown like you would see with the ancient Athenian Olympics, but for one made of pine. And so these, uh, Athletes were competing in multiple disciplines, multiple sports uh, to win. And so into that sort of culture, Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. He says, Now don't you know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable so I don't run aimlessly, I don't box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, 
I myself should be disqualified. And so he's talking here about how people of faith, how the church was to run the race of the faith, the race that God has set out for us. And I think there's three things that he's calling these people to and even calling us to around this idea of intentness. We're sort of building uh, this idea, this building block into this passage, uh, understanding that intentness is not intentionality. It's not just deciding you're going to do something very pur uh, purposefully. Intentness is resolve. It's conviction. It's determination. It's being intentional that what should be has to be. And so Paul talks, first of all, about calling the people to run. He's calling them to run their race that God set out for him. He says, do you know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one runner runs to win the prize. And, uh, and I think about, you know, living in Boston, this Boston marathon and how there's a wall. I've heard some marathoners in our church, especially Annie Ebert, talk about the, the wall right around mile 20. I'll never know what it feels like to get that far, but there's a moment in a marathon around mile 20 where everything begins to break down and everything in you wants to quit. And Paul is saying that we're to run, even when we come up against the wall, we're to run, we're to run with purpose and we're to run with a plan, the race that God has marked out for us. And and I think uh, even in this moment, we're called to run, to not lose focus on what is ahead of us. Run the race that God has for you. Specifically for the Christian, for the person following Jesus, understand that the first thing this means is that we're supposed to give our life to Jesus. The race that God set out for us, and he has a plan for your life and for mine, first involves deciding to follow him, surrendering the rights to our life, and committing to follow Jesus as best we know how for the rest of our life. It's not rocket surgery, as my brother says. We say at church a lot. It's not uh, really complicated. It's not this weird sort of magical thing. It's just surrendering to Jesus and saying, I'm going to follow you. You get to be the boss of my life. The second part of that race that God has set out for us is unique to every person in every context. God has a specific plan for your life. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean he wants you to go to this college or marry this person or live in this city or work this job. And if we go this way and we should have gone that way, we're off track forever. No, what it means is God really only made one you. And he put you in this place at this time when he could have put other people and he puts other people in other places at other times. But he puts you here now where you are for a very specific reason and purpose. And he wants you to live and run your race. The second thing Paul talks about is in the next verse. He says, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable just like we're called to run, there's some things we're also called to refrain from. You know, we're, we're called to refrain from sin and to live lives as Christians of self-control. In Galatians uh, chapter 5, it talks about, the, Paul writes about the fruit of the Spirit. One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. In other words, a life being guided and filled uh, by and with uh, God's Spirit is one that's marked by self-control and self-denial. There'll be moments in the days to come where we as a church and you as a follower of Jesus are called to live in self-denial, to surrender your comfort, to surrender what's convenient, to maybe even surrender your safety to serve another and love another in Jesus's name. And part of following Jesus and part of running our race is being wise and but also being good stewards of the moment of God's call. So we refrain from just living however we want. 
we rather live by self-denial and self-control and trust in God's spirit. And that affects everything. It affects our relationships, our finances, our time. We live a life of denial and self-control. We're also called in that, in refraining, to refrain from just running down every rabbit trail and every distraction. Uh, distraction. Sometimes as Christ followers, our biggest problem is not the sin that haunts us, but just we cannot maintain focus on what God is calling us to. And part of intentness and part of being the woman or the man that God has called you to be is refraining from running down every rabbit tra trail. Uh, in other words, God would have us say no to the bad and yes to the good. But God would also have us say no to the better and yes to the best. And he would also have us say no to the good and yes to what is God's and godly and resembling God and who he is as we come to know him in Jesus Christ. And so we refrain from certain things. Paul says we do this for a very specific reason. We do it, but he says the athlete is competing to win the crown, a perishable crown. They were competing to win a wreath that was made of pine. He says we believers are competing. We're running this race and we're refraining from different things to win an imperishable crown. In other words, God has eternity and all kinds of good things for us that cannot perish, that cannot fade, that cannot uh, rot and rust and be broken down, melted down and destroyed. He has all of these things for his people in the life after this one. And even some of those things in this life, the best things in life can't be counted. They're not crowns, they're not trophies, they're not bonuses, they're not rewards. They are God's affirmations as we live by faith and trust him. And so in the next verse, Paul says, so I don't run aimlessly and I don't box. He's switching sports metaphors. I don't box as one beating the air. He says, I'm not shadow boxing is literally what he says. I'm not shadow fighting and I'm not running all over the place. We all have a race to run. We all have things we're to refrain from. And he says, third, we all need to undergo the training. We don't like when it comes to our race and when it comes to our fight, we need to be ready to go. We need to be ready to go. And so uh, the way that we live in moments like we find ourselves now uh, in the way we're going to live in that moment is a reflection of how we're living in all the other days. I heard a former basketball player speaking at Charlestown High this week saying, uh, money doesn't make you a good or bad person. Money only reveals the person that you already are. Fame does not make you a good or a bad person. Fame only affirms who you already are when nobody knows you. Thought that was really powerful. So we train who we are and the day by day, day after day, disciplines of following Christ and living with integrity and intentness will reveal in moments like we find ourselves right now exactly the true genuineness of our faith. And he concludes this uh, this chapter of 1 Corinthians 9 as part of his note to the, the church at Corinth and saying this, but I discipline my body. Literally in the Greek, he says, I take bruises to the eyes. I take bruises. I can show you how I've chosen to follow Jesus and that it cost. It didn't come cheap. It didn't come easy, but it's genuine. And I've got the marks here on my face, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control. The spirit and the flesh, they're not two separate things. Like we're not as believers, sort of spiritual beings, and then separately 
physical beings. It's all one thing, but the spirit of God has got to have the ultimate say over our bodies and how we're going to live our lives. And, and, uh, and so we discipline our minds. We discipline our bodies. We live with self-control. We discipline our wallets. We discipline, uh, how, how long we sit at the table. We discipline how we spend our time, all of those things. He said, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control lest after preaching to others, I myself should also be disqualified. So even Paul understood that he wasn't above uh, walking away from the faith. Now he's not saying he's going to lose his salvation, but Paul would say instead that his faith would be uh, marked by how he got to the finish line. Had a youth pastor who used to say the faith that falters before the finish had a fatal flaw from the first. I think that's quite true. The, the genuineness of my faith today will be affirmed or denied based on how I get to the finish line. So pray for me as your pastor that God would help me run my race every day. And I pray for you as your pastor that God would help you run your race and that we would all, when we're really old and and we've lived long, full lives of mission and ministry and walking with Christ and walking with one another, I pray that we can look up and say, Jesus helped us get here. He helped us get to the finish line. Absolutely. It's all for his glory. Now, the impossible part of this, can I share the gospel with you, the good news of this passage? Some of you are strong runners, some not so much. Uh, some of us would be good boxers. My son, Owen, man, he can, he can pack a punch to be so little. Some, not so much. Some of us are, feel really smart or really blessed or really like we've got a strong spiritual pedigree. Some of us don't feel like we have all those things. And this is the good news of the gospel. That God doesn't bring us onto his team because we are good or smart or have a smart, strong spiritual pedigree. God invites us into his family and invites us onto his team because he is good and because he is loving. And so he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross and to be buried in a Jewish grave and be buried for three Jewish days and then three days later rise victoriously so that for those who would trust in that, see, that was a sacrificial death. Jesus exchanged his sin and perfection, his, uh, his sinlessness and perfection for our sinfulness and imperfection so that the bridge between us and God, sinful man and holy God could be bridged. It couldn't be bridged any other way. And so Jesus bridged the gap and he, he went before God and made a way for us to have relationship with God. And the good news of the gospel is regardless of the race you run to this point, you can be part of God's family and God's team. The good news of the gospel is that regardless of how sinful you've been or not been, we can agree that we've all sinned and God in mercy invites us to be on his team. Regardless of whether you've uh, lived a life of selflessness or selfishness, none of us is uh, completely selfless, selfless and we've all sinned. And so we need Jesus and we need God's mercy and God invites us into it. He gives it to us. And so if we wonder if we're loved, we look to the cross because only Jesus ran the perfect race. And so in the gospel, with the gospel, because of the gospel and for the gospel, we can live a life of intent. We can remember that God is in control, even when it would seem that everything around us is going crazy. And we can be the people who can say, look, we're running our race. We're refraining from certain things and we're training. We've trained for moments like this. And so church, I want to encourage you as people this week uh, are struggling. Many are afraid. 
Many are doubling down. We are tough. We're resilient. Maybe it's American pride or American healthcare or human resilience or uh, just sort of religious goodness or whatever it is that's causing people to be defiant. In humility, we can be the most confident people in this community and in this state. And we can tell people that our confidence is not in our health. Our confidence is not in our healthcare or our economy. Our confidence is not in human resilience. Our confidence is that God is in control. Even if the mountains crumble and fall into the seas, God is still our refuge and our strength. And our hope is found in Jesus Christ. And we will not be carried away by the moment, but we have put our trust in Jesus. And so as we wrap up, let me just encourage you that if you're watching this and you've never trusted Christ, may I invite you just from your living room or if wherever you're sitting as you're listening to this, just to say, Jesus, will you forgive the mess I've made, the self-rule, the self-autonomy that I've lived by? And will you be the Lord of my life as best I know how I want to follow you from this day forward? Thank you for saving me. And if you are a believer, if you're part of our church and part of uh, God's faith family, I just want to encourage you to rise up in this moment. Run your race. Refrain from this week, specifically fear and panic, but also refrain from any smugness. Refrain from, let's, let's choose to refrain from any idea, from consoling people by human resilience, consoling people by our healthcare and economy. Let's choose to encourage people to look to Jesus and let's be living witnesses, living examples of what a life lived with intent, intention, not set on being good people, but on being God's people, the witness and the power that comes with that. Man, I love you guys. I love you. Let me pray for us and, uh, and then we'll wrap, we'll be wrapped up. God, these are wild days. These are days it's felt for a lot of people in our culture like we are living in something out of a sci-fi movie. Help us as the people of God to remember that you have in the race that you've set out for our life, this is part of the race. This season is part of our race. Help us run well. Help us refrain from things that are bad, uh, better, and uh, and even good so that we can instead have the good the best and the godly, and then offer it back to our community. God, I pray that in this in this moment, we would live with intention. And in this moment, we would see people come to faith, even over the course of this last 20 minutes or so, God. I pray that people are turning from self-autonomy and turning from themselves and trusting in Jesus. And so, God, we entrust ourselves, our community, our state, our country, and our world, our very lives to you. And we love you and we thank you that you don't uh, invite us in based on who we are, but on who you are and who you are allowing us to be in Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I love you guys. God bless you guys. Stay healthy. Stay well. And we'll continue to update you uh, with Christ Church Charlestown and all that's going on.